Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Smart Cities Chronicles, the podcast for everything Smart Cities action, investment and outcomes. My name is Adam Beck. I'm your host of the Chronicles and my day job is Executive Director at the Smart Cities Council for Australia and New Zealand. Uh, welcoming you to episode 20. And today uh, we've got an exciting uh, episode installed. Uh, our first uh, dual uh, attendee participant uh, podcast. And we're going to be talking about, mm, we're going to be talking about a lot of things, but under the theme of, I think, uh, deep collaboration and cross-sector partnerships. We're going to be talking about the Colorado Smart Cities Alliance. And on the on the line uh, with me today, I've got two uh, two amazing gentlemen. I've got uh, Matthew Bailey, who is Global Practice Lead for Smart Cities at our partner company, Arrow. And also on the line, um, Jake Rishabi, who is the co-founder and board member of the Colorado Smart Cities Alliance. Gentlemen, thank you for joining me. Good afternoon, Adam. Good to be here. Or is it good morning? Good morning. <laughs> it, it is good morning for me. How are you, Jake? <laughs> Doing great. Thank you so much for the opportunity to join you. I'm excited. Likewise. It's taken us a few goes to get this, but we have pulled it off. Um, Matthew, I'd like to start with you. Can you tell our listeners who you are and what you do? Yeah. Hi. Uh, thanks, uh, Adam. Great to be here. So my name is Matthew James Bailey. Um, I'm, uh, I currently lead the Smart Cities Global Practice for Arrow Electronics that are a Fortune 113 company. Uh, I'm probably with the biggest ecosystem of technology suppliers and companies in the world, which names about 200,000. So we get to see everything, Adam, all the way from the microprocessor and the sensors through to the connectivity, through to the gateways, into data centers, into machine learning platforms and advanced analytics. We see all of it. It's wonderful. So I lead our, our strategy uh, here globally uh, and um, developing our business uh, in smart cities, in particular smart regions. Um, and uh, I'm also uh, author of the uh, white paper, How to Build Smart Cities Mindfully, which is being used all over the world by 428 cities in 57 countries. And, uh, and that's really exciting to see these principles of how to build smart cities being used throughout the world, Adam. Fantastic. Thanks so much for that intro, uh, Matthew. So, Jake, uh, over to you. Who are you and what do you do? Uh, well, I appreciate this opportunity to be with you. Um, my role, so again, Jake Roshavi, I'm, I'm the Vice President of Innovation for a group called the Denver South Economic Development Partnership, and we're, uh, we're a 35-year-old public-private partnership, nonprofit economic development agency uh, representing a, a major business center in the, uh, in the Denver, Colorado region. And uh, in that role, have also had the extreme pleasure of being a co-founder and now board member of the Colorado Smart Cities Alliance, which is, a, uh, to the best of our knowledge, the first uh, truly statewide uh, alliance of public, private, academic, and research partners uh, across the U.S. states uh, in the nation. And um, in that work, uh, get to engage with uh, fantastic individuals uh, like Matthew and, and the team at Aero Electronics, and, and also just a deep network of now 19 cities, the Colorado Department of Transportation, 12 private sector companies, many of whom are, are household names around the world. And uh, 
three of the leading education institutions in the state, as well as uh, three of the national, nationally funded, federally funded research labs, including the National Center for Atmospheric Research uh, that is also here in the, the Denver area. And uh, eager to speak with you today about uh, what we believe is a pretty unique approach to creating regional impacts around smart cities. So um, looking forward to the discussion. Thank, thanks, Jake. And, and look, we're going to kick off the conversation. I'm going to, I'm going to go straight to you, Jake, um, given you've been around the block for a while in, in Denver. Um, can, you, can, you, can you take me back as far as you can to that moment where the idea of the alliance emerged? Um, where, where, where was it? When was it? And, and why did the idea come about? Absolutely. Well, and, and I would argue that uh, you could probably just as easily uh, ask Matthew this question, but I'll take a first first uh, attempt at it. Um, we, as an organization, Denver South Economic Development, we, we had, uh, since about 2012, been working really deeply in uh, basically identifying and connecting high potential growth stage uh, startups and innovative entities or enterprises with large enterprises in their given industry vertical. We did that really, really successfully around uh, healthcare with the formation of a group called Prime Health, uh, which still exists today as, as a standalone nonprofit organization spun out of Denver South. Uh, and then also repeated a similar model in, in launching what we believe to be the, the first truly IoT-focused national accelerator for early-stage companies that was also actually in partnership with Aero Electronics and, and others. And as we started exploring that really beautiful and broad and, and hugely impactful area of IoT, we were seeking where we played a, a logical and, and impactful role in that, that broad space. And for us, as a public-private partnership, we've got six public jurisdictions represented on our board of directors, as well as from the private sector side, a lot of the major real estate developers uh, in the Denver area. And we realized pretty quickly that that the biggest impact uh, potentially to the both economy and just quality of life in the state of Colorado uh, really was around this emerging topic of smart cities. And so we, we knew, uh, we started working on behalf of our, our immediate member jurisdictions that were represented on that board, uh, four cities and, and three counties. And we started with a process of discovery, identifying the problems that they wanted to tackle, um, and then helping to facilitate public-private partnerships with um, primarily technology vendors uh, and partners within our ecosystem at that time, uh, which now in, in comparison was relatively small. Um, but had some early success, developed a couple of the first public-private partnerships with uh, between cities in our area and companies like uh, Lyft and Uber, uh, as well as a number of non-mobility related things. But we, we started to see some really core trends uh, in terms of the, the objectives that our city and public jurisdictions wanted to see us tackle. And, and those are things like transportation and mobility, but also public health, public safety, resource sustainability, and, and uh, conservation. Um, 
And those topics, the, the key theme or the key shared element of all of those topics was that those aren't the types of, of challenges that obey jur, you know, jurisdictional borders. In order to really have an impact in those issues, you really need to address those issues on a regional and kind of macro regional level. And, and that requires multi-jurisdictional collaboration, but also the level of complexity around those topics requires the solution to be uh, a new collaboration between sectors as well. So bringing in those private sector partners along with the research and academic partners um, to really make a go at, at putting a dent in these big issues. And, and that was really the impetus to form the, the Colorado Smart Cities Alliance at the statewide level. We knew that in order to, to make that impact, it had to be at least statewide and it had to really incorporate all of those sectors. But uh, at the end of the day, we knew it was good for economic development it was good for quality of life and and quality of life is really kind of at the core of why colorado is experiencing the success that it has and and continues to enjoy and we think that smart cities approaches technologies policies play a critical role in how communities will tackle those issues uh, you know, in the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years. So we're honored to, I think, have positioned the Colorado Smart Cities Alliance in, in a sweet spot to help be that, that neutral broker between public, private, academic, and research entities. So Matthew, Matthew how, did he, how did he go? Did he get that uh, right? <laughs> so, so let me take you back to one. So, so as, as the Cambridge um, UK technology uh, uh, cluster started off with four people that said, we want to solve the problems of British industry, um, that's exactly how this started. Um, it was in 2016. Um, I'd been all over the world advising and keynoting around smart cities. And uh, it, was, it was one fine September's day, I think it was in 2016, where Jake, who'd had all this background of thinking and been and, and been working on these p3 partnerships and looking for a new form of economic development and myself and a, a fellow called samanth chanabasanda um, and the three of us sat down and actually recognized that there's an opportunity to do something really special in colorado it was clear to me that alliances at a small scale were being uh, developed in different parts of the world um, uh, from the work that I did in Alberta, commissioned by the Premier of Alberta to develop a provincial-wide innovation ecosystem, it was clear to me that, and clear to our discussion, that we had to go statewide and we had to make it a living innovation ecosystem. And, you know, democracy is moving to the locale and moving to the region again, Adam. And so empowering the, the, the key stakeholders within a region and a state was really imperative. So what is the framework to have a conversation uh, for the different stakeholders, whether it's federal, academia, private or public sector and others, to come together and start talking about how do we build smart cities? What are the challenges? How do we share practices between cities uh, of different tiers to so that the state wins together. You know, Adam, there's no point in a city in a region doing its thing. To Jake's point, congestion has, does not obey jurisdictional boundaries, nor does water quality, nor does resilience, nor does air quality and other things like that. So we knew we had to 
bring the stakeholders together across the states, uh, states to collaborate and start a dialogue on how do we start shaping the future together. And that was in 2016, and I'll, I'll finish very quickly. And so Jake, in his wisdom, said, well, I'll tell you what, let's start in the region of Denver South that he is developing. And so we created momentum in the Denver South region. Arrow, uh, I'm a, I'm a co-founder with Jake, and Arrow came in, and uh, um, Innovation Corridor and Eric Drummond and the NREL NCAR folks came in, the CTA, which is a big business community here, came in. And so did some of the universities. And we created a momentum within the Denver South region and then naturally extended across the state. Adam. So that's how it started. It was one fine summer's day in 2016. A fine summer's day in Denver. So, okay, I want to dig a little bit more into this. Um, this, this question is sort of to both of you or open to the quickest that jumps in. Um, I, I, I'm going to make a big assumption here. Uh, and Jake, maybe sort of confirm this or otherwise. It seems to me like the, the Denver South Economic Development Partnership uh, as sort of a, a partnership and alliance in its own right has seemed to play a bit of a, a backbone organisation role that's been able to bring the other sort of public and private sector partners together because I, f I find it fascinating that you've got vendors, you've got cities, You've got nonprofits that seem to all be at the table somewhat trusting each other uh, and looking to advance projects. And that's a very, there's obviously a very unique uh, sort of set of ingredients there. And I, I am interested in understanding some issues around trust, the role of the, uh, the, the Denver South Economic Development Partnership, uh, and, and then probably Matthew from the private sector's perspective, how, how have these very diverse interests, obviously with a common mission, have they have they come together and stuck together for, for some time? Absolutely, I think you know the Denver South. I think provided actually the perfect platform to launch this idea. Um, now it couldn't be done without the support of great companies like Arrow and, and our other partners. Um, but I do think that. There, at least here in the States, there, there's a bit of skepticism on the part of public sector, you know, uh, either elected officials or, or public servants um, about the, the technology community or the private sector. Um, that's not to say that that's universal in any means. Um, certainly there are great examples of public-private partnerships dating back decades. So there's, there's a long legacy of that. But, but I think that when we talk about, which we do often with the Alliance, you know, trying to create this civic focus third space for innovation. So where, where innovation and the co-creation of new solutions, which are often multi-vendor, um, when the, the co-creation process takes place not within a city, not within a company, but in this new third space within, at first Denver South and now the uh, Colorado Smart Cities Alliance, I think that the neutral, the neutrality of a nonprofit publicly focused economic development group was critical in getting that early critical mass for lack of a better uh, better term. Um, I think that, you know, some of the work that we had done in the past um, had helped us build a reputation as an honest broker in that. And I think that we were able to 
to go to the cities and say, you know, we're, we're to recognize up front, you know, what we're trying to do and bringing these sectors together. This is not simple. This is not necessarily uh, quick in many cases. Um, and there's a lot of friction involved. And so, and that's why I think there's a need for that, that, uh, that matchmaker and, and honest broker in that process. Um, that's not to say that any of the that skepticism is is particularly well founded um, uh, in the in the case of the public sector. I think it's just uh, an acknowledgement that there are different cultures, different speeds, uh, you know, different different desired outcomes or perspectives on desired outcomes amongst all of those parties. And I think that um, uh, a public-private partnership like Denver South Economic Development was actually the optimal type of platform to start that discussion. I think that was key in bringing together the early partners. But, but then from there, it's really been about building that trust directly between partners. And so, and we'll, we'll get into kind of how we do that, but um, that really, now that we've evolved to that phase, everybody's really bought into the concept and the rationale behind it. Um, now it's really kind of up to each of the individual players to kind of respect the, the, the rough ground rules of, of how we come together and stay together and, and start to move these projects forward. Mm. Matthew, your views on that one. Well, we're looking at systems change, aren't we? Um, we know that there's uh, global events that affect us locally, whether it's climate or population movement, increased pressure on public services to deliver healthcare or to deal with congestion. What we're looking at is mass systems change. And so how do you deal with systems change? And so the, 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 the alliance um, is, uh, is, is really important because the public sector itself is going to go through enormous systems change and, and they're governed by different types of cultures. The private sector is looking to say, how do we build these digital transformational systems that enable governments and enable these new types of um, city and regional solutions? How does STEM uh, uh, and academia play a role? We know that that our platforms are going to be technology driven. So how do we uh, bring STEM students uh, into that process to innovate uh, with the private, and pro uh, private sector and the public sector? And then these wonderful federal labs that have all this wonderful research. So what we're looking at is systems change in all different aspects of stakeholders within a city or region, state or nation, Adam. And so for, 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 for that conversation to happen, there has to be an element of trust associated with the group of stakeholders as they start to create a visionary group, which is principle one in the, in, in the white paper. So it, it really is about navigating systems change. Now the question is, how do you actually do that? You know, talking shops are great, sharing best practices are, shape, uh, are great, but you need an execution vehicle. And that's why we launched the Open Lab, which is a living lab's uh, based here in the Denver South region, Arrow Electronics. It will be statewide. And this is a place for experimentation to uh, examine technologies that are coming out on the market and to validate them in live trials, to look at the different business models that the private sector can use, to look at how does data ownership work in a city and a region. And basically, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a sandbox for experimentation for government to trial new po procurement policies, new data ownership policies, how do they share data 
within, uh, uh, within a, a multi-jurisdiction? How do cities share data as a region? Um, and what on all the complexity that entails. So this place of experimentation is really important, Adam, for the different stakeholders to experiment with different systems. Some systems like smart street lighting get you going really quickly and that's great. But what we're looking at is significant systems change here. And the only way to do that, the only way to get people to buy into that kind of systems change is to experiment together in a safe sandbox and then see what happens. How, how have your government partners, the cities, uh, how, how have they taken to this idea of kind of, you know, ju jumping on board a systems change agenda with, you know, vendors and other private organisations? What, what, what's been their reaction? Jake, do you want to take that one? I, yeah, I think... Um, I think that their reaction initially has been has been surprisingly um, enthusiastic and positive. Um, there, there is a, you know, at, at least here in Colorado, I'm sure it's the case in many, many places around the world. Um, there is a latent desire on the part of of civil servants to be more innovative, and and I'm, I wouldn't be one to speculate as to why that is, but I know that you know it certainly is growing by the year. Um, I think that there are more and more change agents within government who are really motivated by social impact, uh, the ability to to improve quality of life for for all different strata of the kind of socioeconomic ladder uh, to mix metaphors. Um, but uh, I think that 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 latent desire to to be more innovative and, and an acknowledgement that you know business as usual or or the the processes that got us here today are not going to be suitable five, 10, 15 years out, um, I think has motivated them to come to the table uh, in a really enthusiastic way. Now, there's there there are still constraints on uh, uh, in, from as Matthew alluded to kind of the the systems or cultural change that we're working on here yeah those things we're, we're not we're not um, naive and thinking that those are things that are going to change overnight but I would say that putting those change agents into the same room together as regularly as possible and in as structured a way as possible has been really both. Um, I think it's shown them that number one, they're not alone, um, that there are other change agents within their organizations and within uh, peer organizations around the state uh, who, who feel the same way. And then also kind of empowering them with tools and partnerships to do more um, and to do better. I think that that's, that's created a lot of excitement. Now, Again, it, that's, uh, we know that that's not going to result in instant frictionless partnership and, and rapid uh, deployment in every case because, frankly, it shouldn't. I think public servants have uh, a responsibility to be good stewards of both public dollars and you know, the public right-of-way and, and public health and safety. So um, I don't expect those things to change overnight, but I would say that everybody here has been really pleasantly surprised with, uh, or, or just pleased with, uh, with the response from the public sector. Is, is, there, um, is there a sort of a, um, 
you, you've got a board in place. What, what, what does the average sort of board meeting look like for the Alliance? You know, you, you, all, you all get together, you sit around the boardroom table. Talk to me about the conversations you have. You know, what, what sort of uh, a, t- a, t- a typical, you know, open, you know, dialogue session among, among the partners. How, how do you sort of take ideas forward? You know, how, how is this thing funded? How, how, does it, how does it work? How do the parts move in the Alliance? Yeah. Well, so so it's um, well, and there are, there are two or three different kind of venues where this interaction takes place. Um, there is the board, the like the executive board of the organization, and that's responsible for you know the 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 fiscal and financial health of the organization, that fiduciary responsibility. Um, there are great conversations that go on there about what we're seeking to. Uh, achieve here. Um, but I would say that the most impactful conversations are really coming from, we hold quarterly civic labs, which are kind of all member, but member only. Um, so you've got representation from those four key sectors, all interacting together. Um, there will be, you know, at each one kind of deep dives into various different either topic areas or partner capabilities or, you know, an examination of some of the shared challenges or problems that the cities are, are trying to tackle, for instance. Uh, we've got one coming up here in about a couple of weeks that, that will be hosted out at the National Renewable Energies Lab where we'll dive into the capacity that that, that lab has to support the city work. But, but the I would say that the the tone of that conversation has just been fascinating because you've got you've got presentations from both say you, know, you might have a private sector company presenting on you know solutions in a given area or, or new emerging technologies that they're seeking to pilot. There might be cities talking about we've got this this very distinct uh, you know affordable housing issue or a resilience related issue or or uh, you know food security issue that we're, we're seeking to address. And then the, the interplay between those groups as the conversation unfolds in real time, I think that's where the real value happens because, um, and these are, these are overgeneralizations, so I hope I don't cause offense to anyone, but, but the, you know, a city may come to those problems thinking, thinking only about the, the assets that are available to a city to solve those problems. A private sector company may come to that same that same problem uh, with the business case in mind or the profit motive in mind in many cases, and and we don't think that that's inherently bad. But how those two things merge together in live time, um, that's where really I think both the friction might be exposed, but also the solutions might be exposed. Because, you know, you, we've had great conversations recently where, um, you know, a, a private sector company presented in, in a way that maybe was a little bit too uh, technology forward and, and kind of leading with the technology as the solution. And we had, you know, a couple of city members that came, came forward and said, you know, what, wh- how does this impact equity for, or how does this bridge the digital divide between you know the affluent and less affluent uh, populations within my city? Um, how does this uh, provide equity in terms of uh, community engagement and the public sector, like the the voice of the residents of a community um, on this topic area? And and that's not to say that that say a 
private sector company is not thinking about social equity uh, uh, in all cases, because in many cases they are. However, I think it's it's really interesting to see how each sector really drives its uh, its um, uh, struggling to find the word, but kind of it, the the lens that they bring to a certain problem, and they they add that to the conversation. And I think it's been enlightening on on all sides. But you know, um, and this this was an arrow actually that we we're talking about. But I'd love to see if Matthew agrees with me that that's been kind of the the how these conversations have started to play out yeah so so you know you know when i was um dis deciding where which territory in the world i thought we could do this adam it was clear to me uh, after spending time with jake um over we probably spent about a year together didn't we jake probably 18 months of getting to know each other with the uh, accelerator it became clear to me that the collaborative mindset of Colorado is really quite unique, actually, Adam. And um, it doesn't mean we don't have our problems. And, and so, but, but there is a tremendous collaboration, a real desire to be open. Uh, and, that, and that's not through all cities um, and not in all private sector companies either. But there is, in general, a real deep desire to collaborate and to build something really great together. And so, so one of the uh, things that the private sector company struggles with, and I remember being up in um, Canada leading uh, three governments on a smart agriculture supercluster. And the, my opening remark is, what was, I'm sorry. And they looked at me and they said, what? He said, I am sorry that the tech co companies have been pushing our technology so hard that we think we can solve everything for you. And that simply isn't the conversation. And we've had to relearn that here. Mm. And so we've had to get really deep with the city leaders, mayors, and elected officials and say, how can we create value? And we're having to understand how we can create value because these cities and regions can validate solutions and technologies the private sector companies are developing to pathfind their way into these smart city markets, right? So the private sector has to have change its conversation with the public sector in order to kind of develop its commercial return and to validate product solutions and portfolios in order to, take mar uh, to, 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 to validate locally and then take globally to market. So, you know, we've had to relearn that conversation and I think it's going pretty well. Um, you know, we've bloodied our nose a few times, some, uh, but, but, you know, we're, we're getting there. And I think that in general, I think the, the great work that Jake has done in Denver South has fed into the alliance. And I think in general, the public sector is kind of really keen to actually work with the private sector and say, how do we create value together where everybody wins? Uh, um, Matthew, th this, is, this is fascinating for me. I'm, I'm actually sitting here in front of my screen you your the the alliance website is up and i'm on the page uh your member page and and scrolling up on the on the top half of the screen are the city partners um you know aspen aurora boulder you know i've got you've got all this all this demand side all these demand side stakeholders scrolling across on the screen which is absolutely amazing i mean the that the potential for demand aggregation and, and working across jurisdictions is, is, is just super clear here in terms of opportunity. Down the bottom then, you've got your private sector partners that are scrolling through, you know, Arrow and, and Dish and Charter Communications and others. And I sit here and I think, and just building on the comments you made there, Matthew, about 
private sector having to sort of, you know, at times change their ways. Um, what, what, what I'd like to, what I'd like to get your views on are this, this idea of scaling and this, this might also have relevance to the lab that you spoke about, Matthew, because um, what we're, what we're finding at this moment in time, for example, in places like Australia is that we are certainly um, making some inroads with proof of concepts and some demonstration projects, but the real, the real success is yet to come in terms of scaling and replicating. Yes. Um, and, 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 you know, it's great that a city does, you know, installs a hundred you know, smart light poles here and then another one might do 30 over there. But mm. like, why don't we just buy, you know, 5,000 of them and sort of, you know, bring the price down wow. and we'll deploy. So to mm. talk to me about how you think you might be able to pull that type of success off. Ah, brilliant. Thank you for asking that question. So, um, so one of the benefits of uh, having uh, the open labs is to showcase and the alliance and, and the alliance is to showcase um, solutions for particular challenges. Adam, so it may be smart street lighting. It could be uh, public safety and, and crime prevention uh, with cameras and advanced analytics. Once and, and that res, and, and that solves for a particular challenge that cities may have. So cities can then see that uh, uh, working for real within the open lab. They can talk to the city or jurisdictional manager about how it's creating value for their business. And then the whole alliance can come together as a collective and have very strong bargaining power mm. to actually then negotiate the best deal for smart street lighting. So the open lab really... Uh, and it, it, it incorporates a Denver South region that Jake has been leading for the last four or five years with uh, Mike Fitzgerald and the team there and Tom, is that uh, developing standard solution sets that solve for a particular challenge for a city that will become a natural champion of that or a jurisdiction or a mall or a business park creates a really strong conversation with the cities and say, hey, we have that challenge too. And by the way, we're coming to negotiate to come and get the best deal for our mm, citizens. Mm. Now, now, alternately, what that does for the private sector is this. It pathfinds its way into scaling in the alliance to start off with. So that can be edge compute that's coming through. That could be new forms of AI that Intel announced uh, recently that will be uh, uh, spearheaded here in the open lab. Um, uh, the I am aware data awareness, which is another conversation. But once we, the private sector has validated uh, a, a solution set here, Adam, well, through our, the Arrow global ecosystem, we can then pull those use cases and those solution sets into our global territories as standard solution sets. So don't be surprised if a smart streeting, streetlight solution in um, the Denver South region here isn't deployed in your city as a standard solution set as well. That's how far this reach goes. So, the, so the Open Lab and the Alliance for Arrow in particular is very, 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 very important in terms of our scaling. Now, there's other things that we do as well, Adam, in terms of we help to build the ecosystem uh, of local companies as well as bringing to bear our global partner ecosystem to create a, um, if you like, an, a, 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 an ecosystem 
that develops the digital transformation over a period of years. So we bypass RFPs. I believe the RFP case is, uh, uh, is dead. I, I don't believe the sales process exists anymore, mm. in particularly smart cities. Now, for someone like a Dish Networks who are developing this important MBIOT network, they need to pathfind solutions that can leverage their network. So for the open lab, for them to actually encourage technology providers to actually use their uh, MBIOT spectrum for solution aggregation to solve for challenges in the cities, and then the, the alliance then validates that with deployment, they've now got a scalable model. And so the cities and regions within the alliance are very, very important to the success of the economic uh, uh, of the private sector companies that have joined the alliance. Well, I'm uh, I'm getting excited just listening to this. Um, we 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 could go on for, for for many more hours, I imagine, but we do need to start bringing this to a close. I'm going to um I'm going to start uh, getting getting your wrap up here, Jake. I want to go to you first. My my sort of final question to you is, um, what have you learned along the way with the alliance, and what are you most excited about in 2019? Great question. Uh, you know, on the the what we've learned, um, you know, I can, honestly I can say that every day we're learning about new nuances about how to achieve this desired goal, which is really, you know, the intention to de-risk and spur innovation uh, amongst these uh, public sector entities and create this third space. Um, I think maybe most importantly is to communicate clearly and, and make sure that you've got alignment and expectations from the outset. Um, that's not always completely possible, and I acknowledge that, but I think, you know, we have a, we have a fairly well-defined, if not, you know, publicly stated uh, kind of rules of engagement for each of our, our sector partners. And I think that that is absolutely critical. You know, if you, if um, if the if the public sector entities within this uh, collaboration, for example, see this as just a business development channel for our private sector partners, they would scatter to the wind. Yeah. Um, you know, they've they've got plenty of venues to be sold to. That's not what this is about. So setting that expectation around the tone of the conversation that will take place um, within this kind of safe uh, third space is really, really critical. And then, and that's a process that requires kind of a constant reconnection and uh, of those expectations. So I would say that that's maybe one of the most important things I've learned. Um, Starting out with a big pot of money in hand would also be great. <laughs> yeah. uh, we, uh, we, we didn't have that luxury, so we've had to do it the hard way. But, um, but, but I think uh, it, it is that, that uh, maintaining and uh, keeping that alignment between the various different sectors, knowing that they've got different cultures and different approaches, I think is probably the most important thing we're learning. And then I would say the most important thing that I'm excited about in 2019 is you know, we, we've spent this last, you know, call it a year and a half since we formally launched the Alliance, really bringing on this really diverse set of city members, 
a really compelling group of private sector partners, and then, of course, these academic and research institutions. I see that, uh, to use another metaphor, as really that was building the, the race car and pulling it up to the starting line. And then we did a year's worth of, of discovery work with the cities and the alliance during 2018. I see that as putting fuel in the vehicle. Um, I think 2019 is when the flag drops and we get to see what this thing can do. It's really taking it from vision and concept to execution. And that, that to me is, that's where the real impact happens. And, and I'm just thrilled to see how 2019 plays out. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. Matthew, what about you? 2019, well, we shall officially launch the Colorado Ocean Lab. Uh, and watch out for some great announcements that are coming in the next few months. We're excited about that. Um, I'm hoping to finish my book, which should take smart cities and smart regions to another level. Um, so I'm excited about that. And, um, you know, I mean, Jake, Jake mentioned that the, uh, the private sector, you know, we, we have to be very mindful how we engage the public sector. But, you know, at the end of the day, is the, the, the private sector helps the public sector navigate a very, very complicated landscape. Um, you know, you've seen this, Adam, you know, with all different types of technologies that are meant to be the best in class and solve everything for you. And so the, the public sector having some of the biggest tech companies in the world to help them navigate that landscape creates real value. And, and the fact they're going to see some of the great latest technologies come through for them to see and experience and have an opportunity to deploy and create values for their citizens in a digital transformation is really exciting. Uh, for the public sector. So for 2019, launching the Colorado Open Lab and um, getting that book out there, hopefully. I think, um, I think that is certainly uh, a full, a full uh, order book for yourself in 2019. Um, Matthew Bailey and Jake Rishavi, thank you so much for joining us on the Smart Cities Chronicles today. Thank you, Adam. Great to be here. Been an absolute pleasure, Adam. Thank you. And keep up the good work, Adam. You're doing a wonderful job uh, out in Australia. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Matthew. And for our listeners, uh, of course, episode 20 today has been a uh, deep dive uh, into the Colorado Smart Cities Alliance with Matthew Bailey of Arrow Electronics and Jake Rashavi from the Denver South Economic Development Partnership. Uh, for our listeners who haven't subscribed to the Chronicles, you can do so. Our usual platforms of Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud and Spotify. Pick your favorite platform. You'll be able to find us there. You can also go to the website, smartcitychronicles.com. And we always value feedback. We'd love to hear from you. Chronicles at anz.smartcitiescouncil.com. My name has been Adam Beck, your host for the Smart Cities Chronicles. We look forward to bringing you another episode shortly. Until we talk next time, keep well. <laughs>